Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to the Pull List for comics coming out on February 21st, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Assistant Editor Tucker Marcus. Yeah, boy! Yeah! So the Pull List is our weekly show where we tell you what is happening in the world of comics. We're going to go through all the new issues coming out this week. Print, digital, collections, single issues. We're going to tell you why we're so hyped for them. And a couple of the books, we're going to single out... Do we single out four books? How does that work? I single. We're, we've talked about this before. It doesn't make any sense single, in my head. Are we singling in them out? With are Jenny we, McCarthy? Yes. Are yeah. we doing the 90s dating show? Jenny McCarthy is going to join us to talk <laughs> about four books on This Week in Marvel, uh, the main show later on this week. That's not true. Jenny McCarthy will not be here. <laughs> but we will be talking about those four books. Uh, we'll get to those in time. There's some real... This was a really a great good week. week. Yeah, it was awesome. I think I had six or seven books that I was like... This is going to be tough. You had a couple that you were hemming and hawing about. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a good week. Let's dive right into things. Uh, Tucker, why don't you kick us off? Let's start with The Amazing Spider-Man number 796. It's written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Pencils by Mike Hawthorne. Inks by Terry Pallett and Cam Smith. Colors by Eric Arciniega. It's the first Marvel series that's going to reach 800 issues. It's incredible. Dan and Christos are just pulling out all the stops. It's kind of a a greatest hits of what you want from a Spider-Man book. Anti-Venom appears in this. It's really funny to see some civilians say, is that Spider-Man? That doesn't look like Spider-Man. And they're Uh, all like, hey, Spider-Man guy, thanks so much. (laughs) for helping us you're the best and he's like peter's like i didn't know i don't like it their treatment and uh you have jay jonah flash is here all the gang is kind of coming together and obviously there is the big bad the kind of re-emergence of norman osborne with the carnage uh symbiote symbiote and that is like a dream i never knew i wanted to have more like a nightmare right you <laughs> it got you flustered real oh, quick. Yeah, it's great. Nailed it. There's a, a, like a gang of goblins that show up, and it is just kind of a greatest hits that is kicking off here. And there's still so much story to tell before 800 comes, before Dan's final issue, which is going to be 801. But this is peak Amazing Spider-Man. This is everything you would expect from this series, from this character, from Dan Slott and Chris Coates Gage. They're jamming out on the hits yeah. in this one. This also follows up on a couple of threads and little minor things from last week's uh, Amazing Spider-Man annual. So if you are reading the annual and it gives you a little bit of extra content, if you haven't read the annual, don't worry. You're not going to be lost. But I like the synchronicity between everything. Synchronicity? That's a word, right? That's a police song. Album? Yeah. Thing? I was going to say. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's go over to Astonishing X-Men number eight. This one is part two of A Man Called X. And I'm going to say this right now. X is a total asshat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's written by Charles Soule, art by Paolo Saqueta, inks by Wolin Wong and Roberto Poggi, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by Clayton Cowles. We had Charles here at Marvel headquarters uh, really recently to talk about all his projects. We dig into X a bit. X is the new incarnation of Charles Xavier. We talked a little bit with Charles about Bishop's end time database, which is like my favorite thing uh, and so much more. We actually talked so long with Charles that evil producer Brent and I have been discussing how and when we're going to roll all that out. So stay tuned. It'll be on the podcast, some video, some audio for you guys. Uh, anyway, X is making his moves to come back to life and into reality, which is great. You know, he's like, I'm fit. But when he did that, he also brought back Proteus. Quick little bit of info on Proteus. He is Moira McTaggart's mutant son, Kevin, who can essentially warp reality. Think of like the reality stone. 
mm-hmm. and this is a mutant who is also a child who is angry and who is very very dangerous it's yeah. sort of like the ability to twist faces and life and reality and it's just it's nuts mm-hmm. uh, he's omega level dangerous can only defeated by metal so Colossus in the past has been able to defeat him. Wolverine's claws are very useful against him. I, mm-hmm. I like, you know, that aspect. It's almost like a video game. Like, yeah, yeah well, you know, you're Mega Man and that's Guts Man. And what do you need this <laughs> weapon to fight him? And et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But he needs to find host bodies in order to feed and stay alive. He has just always been this super, super evil force. He's not had a ton of appearances because he's he's like big time bad and you don't roll him out that often. But something cool that Charles talks about in our interview that you'll hear is discussed in this issue. Coming back from the dead can change someone, right? Mm. So X has definitely come back changed from the Professor X that we knew. Proteus has also maybe changed. So I love that aspect of things. I also love having Paolo Saquero on this issue. He draws an awesome bishop, big and badass. And there's a little bit at the end showing Proteus's reality altering powers that mm-hmm. is just gnarly. And, and Paolo does a great job showing that off. If you're Proteus, then I would be amateurious. Wah, wah, wah. And speaking of angry children, we're moving on to Avengers No Surrender number seven. I can't believe we're almost halfway done. It's been so real? good. Yeah, it's crazy. 16 My issues. Gosh. We're at seven now. It's written by Al Ewing, Jim Zub, and Mark Wade. Art by Kim Jacinto with Mike Perkins on this issue. Colors by David Curiel and letters by Corey Petit. There's been so much happening in No Surrender, but one of the big story elements has been, of course, Voyager, who's been inserted into the timeline of Marvel history, of the Avengers. And this issue gives us some really, really interesting background into her story and where she's from and kind of what her role in this is, not just in the history of this universe, but in her own personal history. And it's so interesting. Obviously, we're reeling from the loss of Johnny Storm, and so much of that is kind of coming through and impacting a lot of different characters in a lot of different ways. The Black Order is all hell has broken loose entirely from their angle. The Pyramoids are up for grabs. They're like these huge kind of sources of power. Cosmic MacGuffin. The the (laughs) Cosmic MacGuffin. There's just so much at stake, and you really feel that on every page here. I just can't wait for more and more and more. Yeah, I'm loving that No Surrender is this like slow revelation uh, of of details and events. And, you know, each issue gives you a little bit more more pieces to this larger puzzle. But the end of the issue is so good. It's just horror and dread and just. uh, Yeah, that sound is appropriate. Yeah. And the back matter here, which I like pointing out every issue, it gives you an oral history of Menticle how Menticle became Menticle. And it's, yeah. it's a cool little story. I love having those, like the behind the scenes extras in the each issue. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That would, would have been one of my picks that was on my list. Mm-hmm. Also on my list is Black Panther Annual Number 1, and that will be getting the full twim treatment later on this week. It's got three big stories by three classic Black Panther writers. Christopher Priest, Don McGregor, Reggie Hudlin. Oh my goodness. Are you so kidding good. me? I know. And the artist in this issue, so the Christopher Priest story is drawn by Mike Perkins with colors by Andy Troy. The Don McGregor story is drawn and colored and everything by Daniel Cunha. And then the Reggie Hudlin story has art by Ken Lashley and colors by Matt Mila. Lettering throughout the issues by Joe Sabino. It is fantastic. I will say it again and again and again how Christopher Priest's Black Panther run is 
amazing mm-hmm. and sort of must-read material, especially if you are becoming a fan of Marvel Studios' Black Panther or Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther. Seeing Don McGregor, getting a, a new story from him, so good. He was a seminal mm-hmm. Black Panther writer for a long time. And Reggie brought Black Panther back in the late 2000s and did a lot of really cool stuff with the character. So seeing him here in this really neat story, we'll dig into all three of those stories a lot more on This Week in Marvel later this week. Next up is Daredevil number 599, coming up to a seminal issue of its own. This issue is written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney, colors by Matt Miller, letters by Clayton Cowles. I feel like the cover of this issue by Dan Mora and uh, and Romulo Fajardo Jr. is really appropriate, and it kind of nails where Matt is at this moment. He's under siege on all sides. He's kind of handcuffed at the side of Mayor Wilson Fisk in a really interesting way. And as he's kind of negotiating with that difficulty, which would be enough on its own, that is a storyline on its own. In comes Muse, not the rock band, the supervillain, the inhuman serial killer, street artist guy. But uh, that is who appears in Daredevil. He has escaped from prison. Uh, He's come to tear his way through New York City and given Matt Murdock an entire different set of problems that he has to deal with on the superhero side of things while he's kind of handling so much on the district attorney side of things. But to just really see Charles hit the nail on the head in such a perfect way where Daredevil's life is being split in two in this way. He's being pulled on all sides, especially as we approach the 600th issue. It's exactly what you want from Daredevil. It's exactly what you want and what we've come to expect from Charles Soule. This storyline has been so good. I like. I feel like issue 600 is just going to blow my mind. Yeah. yeah. Poor Blindfold, too. Yeah. Like, I, I love he's the He's been character. through so much. He's been through so much, and he's ready. He's like, he's basically like, I'm ready to die. Yeah. I'm going to go fight Muse. And it's just... Man, what a bum rap that kid has. All right. Anyway, on to Deadpool versus Old Man Logan number five. Kudos to our friend Declan Shalvey, the writer on this, uh, his first really big writing gig for Marvel, like on sort of a long series. He did the Nick Fury story Mm -hmm. through Secret Empire, and this has been tremendous work here, uh, written by him, art by Mike Henderson, Lee Lowridge, who's on colors, and letters by Joe Sabino. There's a fist bump. In this issue that I can't believe we've never seen before, yeah. a fist bump between Wolverine and Deadpool in a way that I was like, that's really clever. <laughs> I like that. That's very, very good. You'll have to read it to find out more. But Maddie, the mutant girl who has these crazy powers and Deadpool and Wolverine are going to help out and she's involved in all this stuff. But she's been a really neat new character. And we learn her origins and sort of behind the scenes of why she's doing what she's doing, how she's what has made her act and react in certain ways, very Marvel Mm -hmm. in what has brought her to where she is now. I'm dancing around it because I do want you guys to read it. I think it's a lot of neat revelations throughout this. She could be a really awesome hero or a very dangerous villain. We'll see. I want to see more of her for sure, though. Next is The Defenders number 10. This is the final issue by Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez. Colors are by Justin Ponser and letters are by Corey Petit. Speaking of kind of greatest hits, speaking of everything you want, like I did on Amazing Spider-Man, this is exactly that from Defenders. We kick off with what I just think is 
it's just purely iconic. It's so great. We see the Kingpin show up and he is dealing with the hood who has come into the fray. He's kind of organizing villains. He's causing chaos across New York City. The defenders are responding in kind. And as you would expect, this goodbye issue is just so perfect. It it really is. uh, As the story comes to its conclusion, as this issue wraps up, there's an incredible ending. It is a worthy farewell to this team and to this series. Yeah, in that made me happy that there were some classic Defenders characters in there as well. Mm -hmm. It was sort of a nod to the old stuff, a look to the future, a look to what we built here. It was, yeah. It was it was a wonderful end to a great series. I wish we had more, but you know, Brian's retiring. Yeah. No longer in the comics game. Farewell, bon voyage. Yes. As we say goodbye to one, we say hello to another series. Uh, and another great writer. Two great writers. Yeah. Two great writers working on this bad boy. That is Doctor Strange Domnition number one. The writers are Nick Spencer and Donnie Cates Art by Rod Reese. Letters by Travis Lanham. There's something about Rod's art here. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, no, he he's fantastic. He's almost like the love child of Phil Noto and Bill Sienkiewicz. Whoa. Because he has that sort of beautiful, painted, mm-hmm. stylized, but very realistic element mm-hmm. that Phil mm-hmm. does so perfectly. But... At the same time, Bill Sienkiewicz brings that scratchy, scary, dangerous horror vibe. And so Rod's vibe has this nice merging of those two. And I think it works really well, especially in here, because you've got a book uh, with Mephisto. Uh, Mephisto in the City of Sin. That should have been the name of the book. Mephisto (laughs) in the City of Sin. That's like the Valerian in the City of a Thousand Frogs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just Mephisto like riding in a convertible. Yeah. (laughs) It's like saluting and like giving thumbs up. Going down the highway, <laughs> looking for adventure. We see Ben Morris in the background. Yeah. Oh, Ben, shout out to Ben. Yeah, he's definitely in this book. But th- there's so much to love about this issue. One, it deals with the consequences and events of big Marvel Universe happenings. In this case, Secret Empire. But at the same time, makes it super easy to dive in, even if you hadn't read Secret Empire. So I like that it touched upon those things and said, hey, here's why this was like this. Mm-hmm. And here's how this is going to be going forward. It's a perfect logical jumping off point. Totally. Yeah. Two, it has a talking ghost dog. Come on. Like, number of things in my list of of favorites, (laughs) talking ghost dogs, high up there. TGDs. Yeah. Three, it features a sassy, well-dressed, snarky, and delicious Mephisto. Yeah. I love when Mephisto is like human mm-hmm. and you know that i i love the john ramita jr mephisto that is just this big yeah. scary naked thing yeah. eating souls yeah but i also love the mephisto who's got his suit on yeah and he's like hi friend <laughs> yeah hey it was on it so was so unexpected i was expecting like the big like devilish demon and to see that iteration come out was so much fun yeah so good and then of course my fourth thing here was rod's art it's it's great. You don't have to worry about too much about the plot here. Mephisto, Las Vegas, Sin, Doctor Strange, making deals, doing bad things. It is four issues. It's going to be slam bang yeah. in the in the mighty Donnie manner. Oh yeah. Up next is Generation X number eighty seven, and this, my friends, is one of my picks of the week. I have so much. Re- look at 
Look at how much I wrote about Generation <laughs> X number 87. It's a full half page, super small font, yep. single space. It's so good. <laughs> it's the final issue of the book, which is upsetting because I've, I've loved it. It's, it's sort of gotten better and better yeah. each issue. It's been really tremendous. It's written by Christina Strain, art by Amal Carpina, colors by Felipe Sobrero, letters by Clayton Cowles. Writer Christina Strain posted a cool comparison on Twitter showing the difference between the original solicited cover for this issue, which featured Vampire Jubilee, and then the final cover, which featured Mutant Jubilee. Mm. Jubilee now has her mutant powers back and it's setting her down a, a different path than we had her before. But this issue has fights, it has smooching, has friendship, love, snark, a great goodbye letter, so good. It has my favorite line of the week, which is, quote, we don't always get to choose the family we're born with, but that doesn't mean we can't make one for ourselves. Jubilee says that. Mm -hmm. It has my favorite panel of the week with Jubilee looking all badass and heroic, and she's simultaneously giving Quentin Quire guff while also showing how powerful and funny she can be. It's just like, this is why so many people my age liked her. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going to dive into this more on This Week in Marvel later this week. Next is Incredible Hulk number 713. This is written by Greg Pak, pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay Leistein, colors by Frank D'Armada. This wraps up this arc. Amadeus is on Sakaar. He's gone through the first four gauntlets which is just a crazy throwdown battle, and he has been pushed to his limit. Let me put this in wrestling terms. Please. This is the WrestleMania match between Amadeus as the Hulk Mm. and the Warlord of Sakaar. And then all the the gauntlets we talked about, those are the pay-per-views and the Monday Night (laughs) Raws leading up to this showdown. It's all been building. It's this, this wonderful story. It's like... Come on, brother. I'm going you know, <laughs> to face you on cigar, brother. You know, it's so good. Uh, the lines between Amadeus and the Hulk have been blurred to such an extreme degree in this. And I've spoken before about how much I love the visual representation of Amadeus slash the Hulk's wrestling. This issue ends with that visual in such an awesome, interesting way that tells the story so perfectly and where this test, these gauntlets have taken Amadeus. It is just all action. It's insanity. And as we emerge from this story, we're going to another classic Hulk storyline as we go to World War Hulk Two. Yeah. It's like the SummerSlam to this issue's WrestleMania. Yeah. Events, you know, you got your two of them. It's, it's great. I understand these words. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> this also has one of my favorite panels slash pages slash lines mm. of the week. There's a, a dope splash page of naked Hulk engulfed in nuclear fire. And he's screaming, <laughs> this is what I was made for. It's so metal. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's so metal. It's yeah. so badass. Oh, I love it. We also get a very strong indication as to how Sakaar exists again and how that ties into the bigger Marvel Universe. And that leads us right into Infinity Countdown Prime number one, where we see that exact bit of business really laid out in here. How Sakaar exists again is tied to the Infinity Stones. And it is a big thing. This issue is all about telling you who has the stones and where they are. Mm -hmm. This is... 
truly the prime issue for this big Infinity Countdown story. I am so hyped for this. It is so big and so massive, and it's also a half page of notes that I wrote up for this issue that we are going to talk about this more in depth on This Week in Marvel, but it is written by Jerry Duggan, and it's got art by Mike Diodato Jr. Dio or Diodato. Again, I am going to push the narrative that he just needs to be called by one name from now on. He is Diodato. He has earned it. He's so good. Colors by the mighty Frank Martin. Letters by Corey Petit. Look, the book opens up with Wolverine, like tried and true, Mm -hmm. classic Wolverine, just hanging out, talking to a deer. Stumpy little guy. Yeah, in the forest, (laughs) ready for a throwdown, and it just goes from there. There's so much to talk about in this issue. I loved it. Love, 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 loved it. And uh, we will talk about that in depth on This Week in Marvel. But just go out and buy it. Read it, read it, love it. Smash your face into it a, bu- a bunch of times. Do it. Next is Luke Cage, number 170, written by David F. Walker, art by Guillermo Sana, colors by Marcio Meniz, letters by Josephino. This is the final issue on this series that's brought so much to the characters. This issue is, it's so different than everything else in this entire series, but in such a great way. Luke is at home, finally. The dude deserves it. And Danielle tells her dad kind of a fairy tale, and Luke is the hero. It's not just Danielle's telling the story, it's Danielle wants Luke to tell her a story. Yeah. So Luke starts to tell her a story, and she says, no, 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 that's not the story. Right. So it, it's such a perfect recreation of how a child yes. and a parent, I imagine, would interact and do all this stuff. And it, it's, you know, Luke is telling the story, but it's, as you say, so much of Danielle right. telling the story and a deep look into who she is and what she's all about, which is so beautiful. And yeah, it ends up being such a, a wonderful little touching story and how she views them not as superheroes but as parents yeah it's a really really nice farewell to this series yeah in her story she makes up her superpowers and they are literally the greatest superpowers so (laughs) danielle's superpowers she has magical powers she's able to talk to flowers and make them do stuff for her she can control rainbows and has hands that turn into snakes named astrid and herman that's Perfect. That's it's, perfect. It's so good. She also does not want to fight a dragon because she likes dragons. I also <laughs> feel this way. Yes. I don't. I want to ride dragons. I want yeah. to hang out with them. Monsters Why have you, feelings too. Yeah. I don't want to do that. What I do want to do is talk about Mighty Thor number seven hundred and four because it's friggin' great. And there is a monster in here who deserves yes. that kind of yes. dealing with the Mangog. Yes. The issue is called the Gospel according to Jane, and it is written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters in production by Joe Sabino. Man, whew, this issue. It's my pick of the week. It is your pick of the week. So, well, you know what? We'll dig into this a lot more on This Week in Marvel. I have, I have a bunch of things to say, but Russell Dodderman's art. Oh. I just want to say that it he was born to draw this type of story. He yeah. tells the action so magnificently. There's this beautiful splash of Mangog holding one of Toothgrinder's horns as Thor attacks from below and Odin's ravens rip it as skin. It's so good. It's like that feels like it should just be modeled in 3D and then set in a museum. It's so good. And then on the flip side, he does those sad, somber, the flashback stuff, the human elements Mm -hmm. of Jane and what she's dealing with, with cancer, with her life, her memories, her mom, her, her history. He does that so beautifully. Yeah. It's it's incredible top to bottom. Shout out to Matt Wilson, who just oh, crushes always. Without question. More Eisner Award winning. 
Matt Wilson. Absolutely. More monsters on the table here in Monsters Unleashed number 11. It's written by Justin Jordan, art by Alex Arismendi, colors by Chris Sotomayor and Marcio Meniz, letters by Travis Lanham. It's so fun because it's Kid Kaiju in space. (laughs) And guess who shows up in this issue but the incredible, most beloved doggy in the universe. At, look, as much as a certain dog in Doctor Strange is giving him a run for his money, this has got to be one of the favorite uh, pups out there. It's Lockjaw. Yeah. He's here. Aegis, the mech who's on the Monsters Unleashed team, calls him a doggo. And I, just, <laughs> yeah. I love that. It, you know, that it just feels right that this giant robot is like so excited to see a doggo, yeah, and, which is also a 3,000 pound, right. you know, 10-foot dog, but it's teleporting dog. It's so good. I, I think this book is a nice fit alongside Moon Girl as a title that would be mm. super for young readers. It's a kid hero totally. working with big, cool monsters and robots to find ways to get together and solve problems. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah. So fun. So good. All right. We have the final issue of Punisher the Platoon out this week, written by Garth Ennis, art by Goran Parlov and Jordi Belair. As to be expected, this is brutal Somewhat sad end to the story of Frank Castle's first tour in Vietnam. The, the, is that a, we got a helicopter here? Wow, there the Huey is 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 getting real close. Uh, this issue features the showdown between Frank and Lee Quang, the Vietnamese soldier who's been on a revenge mission since her village and family were destroyed. The fight is short though; it's bloody and biting, slamming, stabbing, slicing, and through the way it's shown and described by the characters, mm-hmm. left with some mystery. It's Garth Ennis is probably my all-time favorite writer, yeah. comic book writer. Just, and when he digs in and, and sinks his teeth into Frank Castle stories, war stories, he just is without par. Yeah. The whole idea that the, there's some mystery to what the Frank and Lee said to each other such a smart move. It's so oh, it's it's beautiful. It's it's well done. Um, the back matter has Garth's references, uh, sources, and suggestions of material set in the Vietnam War. If you're interested to learn more and sort of get a sense of what got him into writing this book, mm-hmm. and there's a tease that there's more Punisher by Garth Ennis on the way. Uh, reminder that this is a Max book, so it is only available in print or on Comicsology, but. If you're a fan of any of this stuff, I cannot recommend this series more. Next up is Star Wars Doctor Aphra number 17. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's written by Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier. Art by Emilio Lysso. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Man, I love this book. The Complicated Adventures of Aphra is really what it should be. It's mm-hmm. She's blackmailed for and is able to sneak some smoochies in with an Imperial commander. <laughs> she's on a team of mercs that's just totally batty. There's one is like a robot that's tripping. There's mm-hmm. this couple. One doesn't have a head. The other one believes he's a hero, but he's really on a team of mercs. So he's kind of doing some shady stuff. There's one who's this like six-armed killing machine. There's... <laughs> <laughs> One that had skinned an animal and was wearing it and could slink into the shadows. It's just wild team. I love this. Yeah. She's trying to work the Empire and the Rebels in so many ways. I don't know. Aphra may be my favorite Star Wars character. Yeah, it's totally. I She's certainly up there. Uh, Emilio's art is wonderfully cartoony, gives life to the absurd droids and aliens, yet emotional resonance to the romantic and sad bits. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a moment later on in the book where Aphra... 
has dealt with this this craziness that they've gone through. They infiltrated a rebel base, got out with one of the rebel commander people, mm-hmm. and she's like, how am I still alive? What am I doing? Head in her hands. It's just such a wonderfully drawn piece. Yeah, this book is continues to be tremendous. And if you're a fan of Star Wars Rebels, which just premiered, there is a beloved Star Wars Rebels character that shows up here, and it's very awesome. Tales of Suspense, number 102. This is Red Ledger, part three of five. We're in the thick of it here with writer Matt Rosenberg, artist Travel Foreman, colorist Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter Clayton Cowles. This is intrigue right here. This is spy drama and intrigue in the best of ways. We finished the last issue with a kind of left turn reveal that was really interesting as Bucky and Clint go on this they're they're kind of searching for something that they don't even know what they're searching for. It's so fun because these characters aren't sure where they're headed. They're not sure what they're looking for. And naturally then you as a reader aren't sure either. So you're just kind of pulled by the seat of your pants. And this issue ends with yet another like crazy right turn, which is just so insane. I'm loving what Matt is doing on this this series. Yeah. You didn't know you wanted a comic that featured Hawkeye raiding a spice fridge and then annoying the hell out of the Winter Soldier. Yeah. But you do. You do. Uh, you really do. Also, Hawkeye's drinking milk in one scene. And writer Matt <laughs> Rosenberg loves milk, mostly in eggnog and chocolate milk varietals. Yeah. But still, he loves his milk. So I, I think there might be subliminal Dairy Council chicanery going on here. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. But later on in the issue, he has Winter Soldier going out and picking up chocolate milk for Hawkeye. Matt Rosenberg has been bought by the milk industry. He's dun, been dun, bought dun. by big milk. It's We're getting to the <laughs> bottom of this. Investigative journalism. You and I are going to be the the Hawkeye and the Winter Soldier. But instead of looking for Black Widow, we're looking to get to the bottom of this Matt Rosenberg milk conspiracy. Yeah. But Matt is also great at writing the, the dialogue for oh, Clinton yeah. Bucky. It's so funny. It's natural. It's annoyed. It's familiar. There's a scene in the subway uh, where they're chasing this person who shooting at people is chaos and Bucky's been knocked down. His gun has been tossed away. Someone has picked up his gun and he's like, Hawkeye, I need backup now. And then Hawkeye comes up. He's like, what's happening? Winter Soldier's like, I just lost my gun. Are you serious right now? Don't I look serious? <laughs> Hawkeye's like, you always look the same. Uh, <laughs> and Bucky's like, well, someone stole it. And then Hawkeye's like, well, it's New York, man. That's going to happen. <laughs> just, I love it. Yeah. It's so good. I, it's fantastic stuff through and through. All right. On to Venom number 162. This is part three of Poison X by Cullen Bunn. Art by Edgar Salazar and Ario Anunditi. Colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. And letters by Clayton Cowles. It's been quite fun to see how the X-Men look. And they act and express their powers with the symbiotes because they got symbiotes at the end of the last issue. And you can see it on the cover, a beautiful cover here by Will Robson and Edgar Delgado. Each symbiote is a different personality. And then it mixes with the personalities of the kids, the ex-kids. It's a cool way to connect the kids emotionally to the symbiotes, to the story. They're, they're being hunted, though. They're being feared, which is like another connection between symbiotes mm-hmm. and mutants. It's you know, people don't fully understand them. They hate them. They fear them. They're not bad, but they're treated like they're the worst. I'm looking forward, though, to seeing the X-Men and Venom kick Killer Thrill's ass by the end of this Oh, story. yeah. 
And more X-Men action comes at you with X-Men Gold number 22. This is written by Mark Guggenheim, pencils by Diego Bernard, inks by J.P. Meyer, and colorists are Arif Prianto and Java Tartaglia. Logan has bounced. He's out of here. He left after the Negative Zone storyline. So it's really up to Kitty Pride and Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Prestige. They don't have that that kind of old classic help and perspective that Logan can bring them. And they're up against it here as a lot of personal stuff is going on. You know, most notably Kitty and Colossus as they kind of go towards their wonderful wedding. There is so much to be dealt with in a superhero capacity. It's really, really, really fun. Yeah. I, and the Brotherhood is led by Mesmero. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for me to be like, wow, Mesmero's cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> that shouldn't be. Right. Look at Mesmero. Right. Look at his old appearances. He's such a, he's a goofball. Right. He's a, you know, a character that gets punched in the face and you're like, no, he's really good here. They do a great job of making him compelling as a villain and, and a threat. Yeah. Even if he's not, you know, like a deadly threat, he is a winnable Mm-hmm. Like his scenario, he can beat the X-Men right. if his choice is to just, you know, not necessarily kill them, but go past. And, and, and he does it pretty easily here. Yeah. It's really it's, it's solid stuff. And I like that this is a sort of a classic issue that you wrap up one story, but you immediately start spinning out two or three others yeah. and, and a whole bunch of things are happening. So dig it. Get into it. All right, so those cover all the print issues out this week. We've also got a number of collections on sale. We have Atlas Era Tales to Astonish Masterworks, Volume 3, Avengers, Hawkeye, Earth's Mightiest Marksman, Golden Age USA Comics Masterworks, Volume 1, Incredible Hulk's Heart of the Monster, and Spider-Man, Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. Before we keep going into things, uh, just a note I mentioned to you last week, digital comics on sale. We had Black Panther Long Live the King, number five. It's just a gorgeous issue drawn by Andre Lima Orojo, colors by Chris O'Halloran, written by Nettie Okorafor. Black Panther is, he's beset by sort of a, a spirit in this story. Mm. Um and, wants to kill him uh, and, and he's in a different area of Wakanda the mysterious mute zone so it's cool we've got this beautiful art love the way Andre draws figures that's one of the things that I've always loved and it's T'Challa trying to figure out what the hell is going on there's some really cool use of sound effects throughout this I'm showing you guys from my tablet oh yeah that's great um, the sound effects is like mmm sound that uh, you know you can see in the panels and you follow it it, it becomes this force that T'Challa has to deal with. So sound and noise and big monsters. It's its really neat. I highly suggest you check this out. It's a Comixology exclusive, so you can only get it on the Comixology app right now. All right. Also on the Marvel app this week, uh, some highlights that I am pointing out. Obviously, the full list will be in the link on the show notes or on the news story on Marvel.com for what's on the Marvel app, what digital collections are in, on sale, and what's on Marvel Unlimited. But... New stuff added to the Marvel app includes Captain America, What Price Glory, 1 through 4. It's a 2003 story. It's a retro story written by Bruce Jones, but my heart, my life is here for Steve Rude's art. It's pulpy, Silver Age style. It's like Jack Kirby mixed with Dave Stevens, who wrote and drew the Rocketeer comics. Oh, wow, it cool. is gorgeous. It's for, If for no other reason you just check out for the art, then you will be like blown away. It is 
amazing stuff. There's also a bunch of issues of X-Force, 49 through 55. And I'm I'm a big fan of this run. Uh, it's Jeff Loeb writing and the mighty Adam Polina doing some mid-90s goodness. Adam Polina, he was around for not a long time, but he had this graffiti-ish art style, hmm. but also very like... Kind of like Muse. Oh, boy. Uh, very weighty, awesome stuff. I think he was from Staten Island, too. Huh. Um, I remember buying like a zine or something that he did way back in the day. Anyway, Adam Polina's art, really great, very underrated, not seen a lot. And, you know, Marvel TV's Jeff Loeb writing X-Force. Oh, yeah. Always good. In my highlight of the digital collections, and I guess also a regular collection, is uh, Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. It's an early 90s limited series focusing on Spidey's lesser-loved villains like Beetle, Hydro-Man, Speed Demon... I just loved it as a kid. That's all. You know, dig into it. On Marvel Unlimited, there's a bunch of stuff in there. Tons of comics, as always. A couple of my highlights are Adventures of Captain America 1 through 4. I believe this is the 1991 series that was written by Fabian Nicieza and art by Kevin Maguire. That means we all need to read it as soon as possible. Kevin Maguire yeah. should be like required art reading for everybody. Mm-hmm. Anything he draws, you got to go check it out. Uh, and Fabian is Fabian. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I love him. I adore him. Captain America, the 1940s newspaper strip, three issues of that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to go check that out in yeah. uh, Marvel Unlimited. There's the Generations issue of Wolverine and All New Wolverine, number one. Tom Taylor, terrific stuff. And then the 100th issue of Ultimate Squared, which Ultimate Squared was one of my favorite books that came out every month. Tremendously weird and trippy. So if you haven't caught up on that, Check it out at Marvel Unlimited. So many good things this week. We're going to dig into our our choice issues on This Week in Marvel later on. Hope you guys are enjoying Marvel's The Pullist. We'll be back with another episode next week. This is Marvel. Your universe.